Hi, everyone. Welcome to CI Diaries. Sponsored by Wayside Publishing. My name is Carrie Toad. And I'm Christy Placido. Welcome to Episode 7. Today, we're continuing our three-part series called Robust Reading. So part one of the Robust Reading series was all about pre-teaching vocabulary and structures, otherwise known as establishing meaning. And today, we're going to talk about picking a text that's a great fit for the students that you have in your classroom. And so when we talk about text, we're talking about any kind of a text. It doesn't like open your mind wide. It doesn't have to just be a reader. Although I know that a lot of people are always wondering, like, how do you select exactly the right reader? Mm -hmm. Um, This could apply to any type of text, whether it's an audio or a literary text. Mm hmm. So yeah, so the types of texts that I typically read in my classroom, uh, we read um, four readers per year um, in general. We do in well. level four or five, um, I do add some additional um, readings. We do, it's very reading heavy in level four or five. Um, so they also read some short stories. They read a lot of nonfiction. We do some poetry. Um, so we reading is a central part of my classroom. I feel like it is of mine as well. We do, um, in level one, our teachers do three readers uh, per year. And then in level two, three, and four, we do four readers per year. But we also balance that with lots of infographics mm-hmm. and little articles and adapted articles and um, we do some poetry, like you said. Um, we we just we try to read a lot mm-hmm. of things because I feel like they just acquire so and songs. Um, we talked yeah. about that in episode one. It's it's crazy how a student will write something and you just know immediately that that word or that structure came from a song that you learned in the <laughs> classroom because they have they've they've just acquired that from that music. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love to see that happen, too. It's awesome. Um, So, yeah, I uh, definitely reading is is an important part of my classroom as it is for for you. Um, You know, one of the things that I hear and I actually observe a lot is I think a lot of people think that a student in a level one or two class can't read (laughs) like they feel like they're not ready to read yet. And. I just feel like my students are living proof that that is absolutely not true. And I think that this is going to be a little controversial. So can I say something a little bit controversial? Yes, please. (laughs) All right. So I have heard for many years, and I'm sure you've heard this too, um, people say to adjust the task, not the text. Mm-hmm. And I don't really agree with that. Like, I really think you can well, sometimes adjust the text. And I think it's okay to have a certain text that you would only use with a certain level. I agree. And I will tell you why. Um, when I was getting my master's degree, I was in... So at the school that I went to, it was kind of a small college. And the mm-hmm. master's students took... 500 level classes, but we were in with the 400 level seniors that were getting their bachelor's degrees. And 
they were reading these same novels that I was reading, but they couldn't read them. Mm -hmm. Like I would go before class, you know, I'd be sitting in the hallway waiting for them to open the doors for the professor to get there. And these seniors in college would be in the hallway and sometimes they would be crying because they knew that we were going to have a test over this Mm -hmm. text and they hadn't understood anything that Mm -hmm. they'd read. And so they would be asking me like, what do you think is going to be on the test. And I actually, the first reader that I wrote, um, I wrote it and then I consulted with the professor of the class I was taking. It was about the Spanish Civil War. And he and I got to talking about it. And he said, you know, these students come to me and they've never held a book in their hands. And then, you know, I'm giving them these books to read and they don't they don't know how to read a book. Like they've only ever read pages of stuff mm-hmm. and they've never read a book. So he's actually using readers for learners now in his 100, 200 and 300 level classes so that when they get to those 400 level classes, they've held a book right. because it's it's such a big gap to jump to go from reading, you know, mm-hmm. basically no books and so I mean I agree. There's there's a time to read authentic pieces. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think they're authentic pieces they need to be reading. But also we have to remember that we have a lot of kids that don't have super high reading right. skills. And so we, we have to we have to scaffold a little bit for them and having a book. Now there are good and bad examples of books for learners. I'm not mm-hmm. going to argue that one bit that there are there are good and bad examples mm-hmm. of of what that looks like, but um, but there there is a place for something that will help scaffold them into reading a full chapter book before they hold a full authentic piece. Right, and you know sometimes I see um, uh, you know teachers that are really really dedicated to using all authentic resources, and I'm not dissing anybody if that's if that's the way that you're teaching. I love authentic resources too, but I think it's important to remember, like, if you're putting, um, you're not going to put like a whole newspaper article in front of a level one student. Um, And also, if you put something like super simple in front of a level one student, that's just because it's an authentic resource, um, you know, maybe they can understand more words if it's something super simple, but also what, like, what are they really getting out of that resource? So if, if it doesn't have a lot of text, they're not getting input, but if it's got a lot of text, but it's too high of a level, they're also not getting any input because they're not understanding it. So you have to find a text that is comprehensible for the level that the learner is at. And it needs to be a robust enough text so that they can spend some time with it and are actually able to interact with the language enough so that they're going to acquire some language structure. Agreed. Yes. And again, there there definitely are, there are better examples of those texts mm-hmm. and, you know, and not as good examples of them as well. So you have to be careful. You have to audit what you're going to put in the hands. I would, I would 100%, I please don't ever pick up a text just looking at it online and saying, oh, this title sounds great. I'm going to buy 30 copies and read it with my students in my classroom. Like always, always read Mm -hmm. every book that you bring into your classroom and make sure that that book 
is a good example of what you want in your students' right. hands. Um, you should read that book before you ever let your students read that book because you want to make sure that that is, that is communicating a message you want in your right. students' hands um, before you bring it into your classroom. But, but once you find the book that you, you're engaged in the story yourself mm -hmm. and you feel passionate about the topic, then you can dig in and really be excited to teach this book with your students or this, um, whether it's a, a long story or a short story, um, you can even dig a story out of a, a video mm -hmm. online. Like you can find a little short clip on YouTube and you can make mm -hmm. that into a story that you share with your students by writing a little clip mm -hmm. chat. And, and so then you're giving your students the story to read from the clip mm -hmm. chat and you're talking about that story and you're reading that story. So there are lots and lots of ways to get a story into their hands. It doesn't have to be a long reader, um, but it, it can be a story that you've designed to help scaffold them into reading longer and longer things. Yeah, I think that's so key what you said about finding something that you, the teacher, feels kind of passionate about. Um, if, if the teacher's not interested in the story or the topic, it's going to be really hard for you to get students interested in it. I mean, you can only fake that for so long. So you... The, I, I would say the first key is find something that you as the teacher personally enjoy and you're going to get something out of teaching it. Because if <laughs> if you're not into it, the kids sure are not going to be into it. I mean, if you if you came in as a new teacher and there were 50 copies of a book on your bookshelf that you feel like you have to teach because that was what was there from 20 years ago. Like, don't don't feel like that's the book that you have to teach just because that was there from 20 years ago. There are so many things out there yeah. now. So be sure that you look at what's yeah, new and honestly, and you know, there to uh, 20 years ago, um, I'm not going to name names, but like there were a limited number of um books out there that you could really read with lower level students. And we needed those books, you know, those books served their purpose well yep. at the time. But a lot of them were really, really cheesy and really, you know, not the best stories. But we would make it fun because we would do a lot of readers theater and we would go like super melodramatic. And, you know, we would actually laugh at the parts that we thought were cheesy and acknowledge that it's cheesy. So yeah, if you have something that you just you've inherited or, you know, maybe you bought it without reading and it's not quite everything you dreamed of. Um, there are ways that you can spice it up and still have fun with it, even if you're not. We had, I think it was like a, maybe a, I, I hate to throw Santiana under the bus, or, <laughs> but it was like a La Momia Desaparece or something like that that we had in the classroom when I moved in. And it was, uh, it was not, not the greatest. Yeah, and I mean, bless, bless their hearts. <laughs> but, you know, we made like... <laughs> bless their hearts. We needed that at they, the time. They did what they yeah. could with what yeah. they had. Like, yeah, we needed it at yeah. the time, but it was... So it's like, you know better yeah. and you do better, but... Um, yeah, yeah, so I, it was so hard. I mean, the kids couldn't understand. There were so many footnotes, like, you know, you're reading along and like every fourth word, you have to look to the bottom right. to read the footnote. And it just, it wasn't super comprehensible, but I mean, we did the best that we could that we made these like, you know, poster boards with yeah. all those uh, storyboards. And I find <laughs> like when there are too many footnotes in a reading, I find that my students get lazy about even looking down at the footnote. Like, it's amazing. It's yes. right at the bottom of the page, but I don't know if they don't notice it or just don't want to move their head to look at it. But 
that that's not a thing that really um, helps them read. I think limited number of footnotes is definitely um, something that you want to look for. Well, and I think that's uh, I think that's a big key with some of those texts that I noticed with those kids in my master's mm-hmm. classes that when when the students can't understand the reading, they become fully dependent on the teacher just telling them what right. they read. And that's not helping them acquire vocabulary and that's not helping them develop reading skills and decoding skills when it all comes down to the class discussion, Mm -hmm. telling them, okay, that does build proficiency in discussion. It helps them build speaking proficiency and listening proficiency, but it's really not doing much to develop their reading Mm -hmm. proficiency when it's all about how the class dissects what the reading was about rather than really understanding the reading. And that's what the seniors were doing. They couldn't read the text. So they would ask mm-hmm. me what was going to be on the test. And, and I would help them know kind of what to answer on the, you know, this is basically the main idea, what I think might be, yeah. you know, on the tests. And um, I would help them kind of study and prep. And then we'd go in and we'd take the test. And then the teacher would discuss afterward, like what we had read. And that's how they kind right. of knew what was happening in the books to participate in the discussion. So Um, To be able to really get something, our goal with reading is to help them build reading Mm -hmm. skills. And so if we really want them to build those reading skills, we got to target a text that's going to help them acquire vocabulary and acquire grammar structures. Like they can acquire some high level Mm -hmm. grammar structures through reading if we target a a text that they're really going to be able to understand. Right, right. And yeah, that's the key is you've got to get students to actually read, you know, not just depend on the class discussion. Mm -hmm. And if it's a reading that's at their level, most students will read. I mean, if there's a book in front of them, it's kind of hard to not pay attention to an open book in front of you. Um, But it's really easy, especially for teenagers, it's really easy for them to just shut down and tune it out if they feel like it's going to be out of their reach. So it really is important that I I think if you have to err on the side of one, you know, too difficult or too easy, I would always say err on the side of something that you might feel is a little too easy. Um, You want it to have some new vocabulary and expose them to some Mm -hmm. new language structures, but you don't want it to be all new. Otherwise it just gets frustrating. And you know, just because the language is easy, as long as it is authentic language, and by authentic, just, you know, something that a native speaker would say, yes, this is this is okay, this sounds good. Um, even if it's simplified authentic language, as long as it's authentic language, they're going to be continually acquiring, even if it's an easy text. And I think that when they feel successful, what I've noticed in my classroom is that when they feel successful with the text, so maybe I do err toward the side of an easier text, um, the discussions mm-hmm. are so rich because they're so confident that they mm-hmm. understand what's happening in the in the readers that we're reading that they get gung-ho into those, like they love being involved in the discussions yeah. because they they know Everybody knows. It's not just a select few that understand what's happening. Everybody really is engaged in the story. And so everybody wants to participate. And that, that for me, is the goal of the language classroom, for them to be excited to use their language to participate in discussions with me. And uh, we do kind of a 
it's, I call it discussion Thursday. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen on Thursday, but typically my, our Thursdays are a little shorter. So we do our discussions almost always on Thursdays. And, um, so on discussion Thursday, they lead the discussion. I just sit and listen to them and they ask all the questions and they all take turns answering. And Mm -hmm. I just pick who's, you know, the next to answer. Um, I just love sitting back and it's like this Mm -hmm. reward for, you know, getting to spend the week with them and then hearing them lead their own discussion. And it's satisfying for them to know that they can do that. You know, we talk a lot about how it's important to be always giving your students input, but output does have a role. And I think one of the roles of output is for the teacher to be able to evaluate how the students are doing, but also for the students' personal satisfaction. I mean, that's kind of why you're in a class. You want to be able to speak. Right. So what would you say... And, you know, to have that rewarding What would you say are, hang on, what would you say are some of the things a teacher should be looking for? So they've, maybe they've purchased several texts, they're evaluating what they'd like to have their students read, or maybe they're looking at some, you know, little articles online that they might like to have their students read. So what should a teacher be thinking about? in terms of how do I know if this is going to be level appropriate for my students? I would say that some of the things that I look for in a text that would be level appropriate for my students would be if I'm reading through a chapter and I find maybe five or more times that would really be stoppers for my students. Um, You know, they this is not a cognate that they could, you know, if it's a cognate that they would understand as they're reading, it's no big deal. But, you know, I would literally have to stop and, you know, explain what this is, write this on the board more than five times in every single chapter. This is probably a little Mm -hmm. too hard because, you know, that's over a 10 chapter book, you know, that's, that's a lot of stopping and breaking the flow of reading. I, I don't, you know, the chapters in a, in a book made for a learner are mm-hmm. pretty short. If I felt like every, you know, they're like three pages long. So if I felt like twice every page of a book I was reading, I was having to go to the dictionary and look up a word. I don't think I would mm-hmm. be enjoying that book very much. And so, um, I try to put myself in the shoes of my students in that way. So, um, that's that's kind of one thing I look at mm-hmm. text-wise. Also, um, culturally, content-wise, I try to think, you know, is this something that I we have some kind of heavy reads. Um, my book, Bananas, I wrote a book called Bananas. It's about the banana plantations in Central America. And so, you know, if I'm going to read a heavier read about you know, banana plantations, then I kind of want to read something lighter next, uh, you know, keep an ebb and flow in the classroom, you know, have happier stuff, you know, followed by, we do like a scary story, you know, where we read Chalk Mule and we watch El Orfanato. And, you know, we, I like to have stuff where they're, you know, changing their right, moods right. <laughs> as we go through the year. So it's not, not too much. You know. Yeah. I like to look for things that are going to have something cultural that we can learn about, even if it's just kind of off on a tangent a little bit. I like to, something that's going to have several different cultural things that I can also teach about. Um, And then also I like to think about, you know, what, um, what kinds of discussions am I going to be able to have with my students? Am I going to be able to have a discussion that's 
achievable at the level the kids are at? And mm -hmm. um, just it, are there like hooks that I can exploit, you know, things that are going to get the yes. students excited about it? Um, and then I also just generally look at the the level of the text too. like what are the sentences long with, you know, more than one clause or are they short and simple? You know, depending on the level, I'm, I'm looking for different things. What kinds of transition words right. are in there? I love like your book, Frida Kahlo. I, that one, I could read it at level two, but I read it at level four because I love the the way that we can talk about mm -hmm. identity at level four is so different from the way that we can talk. So it's an easy enough read that I could do it much earlier, but the discussion is right. so much richer when I save it mm -hmm. for a later level. So there's nothing wrong with having mm -hmm. a simpler read in a later yeah. level. I so. think another thing to consider is just the, the straightforwardness of the plot. Um, so like, if you're in a lower level, yes. it should be a very simple linear plot. Um, if you're in a higher level, you can do things that maybe have like flashbacks to the past or speculations about the future or yes. time travel or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to save those types of books for a later level because I think at the beginning they just needed to be very concrete and very linear. Yes. Yeah, because they're so focused, their language skills are so mm -hmm. new that all they can focus on is making meaning. They can't focus anything more than just right. making meaning. They're very low on the yes. Bloom's taxonomy and that low novice area. They can't yet, they can't yet, you know, right. do big things. <laughs> but I think, Carrie, what you said earlier, I think to me is the really the key is um, you've got to trust yourself as the teacher to be able to select a text that's appropriate for your students. I mean, I think most teachers can pick up a text and know where their students are going to trip up. Um, I feel like I always have this little internal vocabulary list of like what my students know at any given Absolutely. moment. And I kind of know like where they learn certain words too. It's like a weird little... Absolutely. You know what unit we've taught. We know... Now, if you're in a huge department where, you know, you may get students that come to you in level three that have mm -hmm. had other teachers for level one and two, you may not know exactly who's coming into your classroom. You know, they may have had two different teachers at level one and two, and you really don't. Yeah, I mean, you're just getting kids that you have no idea what their background is going to be coming to you at level three. So that may not work for you. You may just have to kind of pick based on. I kind of, you know, I assume this is what is being taught in level one and two. So I'm going to, but we would encourage you then go, go for the, you know, easier text, like always kind of err to the side of an easier text, especially if you feel like maybe they have not mm -hmm. read something before, because when you feel like maybe they've not read something before, then you're going to want to err on the side of easier text because the easier their first read is, the more successful they're going to feel going 100%. forward. 100%. Well, that just about does it for today. So we hope you've been enjoying our little series on robust reading. We're going to wrap it up next time with our third installment. Um, so we hope you'll join us for that. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.